Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hi, Jim. Hi, Catherine. Have you heard about the cliff? Mm, no. Do you know that we're approaching it? Like a point at which we couldn't do nothing to stop uh, climate change from devastating the human population and possibly leading to extinction? Oh, I think we're past that cliff. What oh. I'm talking about is the cliff that's coming up at the end of July, or potentially the end of this week, depending on your circumstances. This is the week that the CARES Act expires, basically. The extra $600 that people were getting in unemployment insurance ends, and the federal eviction moratorium also ends. Wait, why would it end now? We just surpassed 1,000 deaths yesterday, the worst in a, we've had in a very long time. We are regularly breaking records for the most cases that we've had in this country. I mean, I think the plan when the CARES Act was passed was, oh, we're going to get the, this is the support that everyone needs so we can get the virus under control. I think there was an assumption that by the end of the end of July, the virus would be under control and the economy would be able to be more functional again. And uh, but that is not the case. Yeah, maybe an assumption among people who didn't listen to this podcast. So anyway, this is sort of a terrifying phrase, the cliff. Um, it's concerning. I know Congress is debating what to do, but it's uh, it's coming up really quick. So let's bring on Annie Lowry. She's a staff writer at The Atlantic, and uh, she covers economics, and she's been writing a lot about economics in the pandemic. She's also the author of the book Give People Money, which is about universal basic income. So she's kind of the perfect person to explain to us what this $600 means and what it would mean to have it end. Hey, Annie. Oh, hey, Annie. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm good, things. Um, as good as I'm COVID good. Yeah. 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 Um, we were just talking about the fiscal cliff. Yeah. Or is it a fiscal cliff? The cliff. Yeah, sure. We're talking I mean, about it, the is, cliff. it is a fiscal cliff. It is so bad. How big of a drop is this cliff? Is it rocky? What's at the bottom? Like, what is the what is the cliff? So Congress in the CARES Act did two really important things with UI, the unemployment insurance system, which just, mm -hmm. and this is going to be kind of important, but as a backdrop, um, this is mostly state program. So through um, the taxes that you pay with your employer, you pay a little employment, unemployment insurance tax, and uh, that raises money. It goes into a pool. The state administers those funds. So the states have latitude, though not endless latitude, to set the benefit amount and then also to set uh, the number of weeks of unemployment that you can receive. 
And then there are also rules about who gets unemployment. And so what Congress did in the CARES Act was they created kind of a special way for gig workers and other workers who normally aren't covered by the unemployment insurance program to get UI. So that's really important. And then they also added a really large benefit, $600 a week for recipients. It's a lot of money, especially when you add it in with the normal UI benefit that you'd also be getting. So that's that's going to expire, uh, that $600 a week bump. And that means that 30 million people as of Friday will take a huge pay cut and they will mostly drop down to just getting the state benefit amount, which, you know, the the $600 benefit meant that most people were actually making just as much money or even a little bit more than they were making at their job. And now they'll go down to making half as much, in some cases, less than they were before. And so this is a catastrophe for those families who are really going to struggle to put food on the table, to um, pay rent and things like that. It's also a really bad thing for the overall economy because all of that spending is just going to disappear. Okay, so let's start with that $600 a week, like how it's been working. Do you have an example of, you know, what kind of impact that was having? Absolutely. So um, I talked to a ton of people for a story about this. Just one example, Bridget, this photographer. So she she was like a concert photographer and a nanny. And both of those things are just gone, right? Mm-hmm. And absent the $600, she would be below the poverty line. Um, she would be getting about $200 a week in UI. And it would be really hard for her. And it has been really hard for her to find work. And she's still been applying for tons of jobs. And she said she's willing to take almost anything, but people really aren't hiring. So what has been the effect of all of these people getting that $600. Yeah. So like, what are we about to see if if the $600 goes away at the end of this week, what happens nationwide? So this is, this is like actually kind of crazy statistic. So normally the unemployment rate and income measures. So like how much all of the households in a given state or given area are earning is normally very, very tightly correlated with the unemployment rate because you don't make money if you're not out working, right? Mm -hmm. Congress, what they did was so big, uh, the amount of money they pushed in was, was so great that the rise in the unemployment rate from, it was like roughly 4% to now roughly 15% nationally did not result in income losses for almost all families. Like, that's amazing. That's Um, exactly what they intended to do, right? They were like, all of these jobs are disappearing and we need to make sure that people don't sink into poverty and insecurity. That seems like it it worked exactly as they wanted it to. Exactly. And, And where you do see income losses, and this is important, is in people who weren't covered by that... UI expansion. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make it seem like it was like literally everybody because it it, it wasn't. And -hmm. it's still a pretty patchy program. And a lot of people are still waiting on checks or they didn't qualify or they had issues with the system. But as a general point, Congress actually replaced all of the income losses for people like on net, 
um, for people who, who were covered by this. And they really wrapped, like amazingly expanded the number of people who were covered. So, so what happens <laughs> on Friday? Yeah. That's so, a cliff, Catherine. <laughs> yeah. There's what a is, but what is, it sounds scary, but what it, what does the cliff mean or look like? Yeah, it means that what Congress did was they they made this temporary. So they had an expiration date on it. And that date is at the end of the week. And so if this goes away, when this goes away, because right now Congress, even if they pass something right now, the states would need to reprogram their systems to um, accommodate for that change. So we're already past the point where the states have the capacity to do that. So some states might be able to kind of get it back really fast, but these state UI programs are really underfunded and, you know, the systems just can't, it's not like a centralized computer in Washington where they can just like type it in and it's really efficient. These are really rickety systems and they're individually run by the states, meaning there's 50 plus systems. And so this is going to go away. And the question is, Congress has said and this is Republicans and Democrats, that they don't want it to drop to zero, but they're fighting over how long to continue the benefit and how much to give because Republicans don't want to give the full $600. And so there's going to be huge differences in the macroeconomic effect, whether, you know, say there's a long gap, like a month before they figure it out and people start getting the money again, and then the benefit drops to $200. Mm -hmm. That's really different than if in 10 days they say, okay, we're getting this out and it drops to 450. And we have a lot of uncertainty about what that's going to look like because Congress is currently engaged in this very slow moving argument over what to do. I'm interested in, you know, stopping or ending the pandemic. And part of that is just allowing people to stay at home. Do do you think that the $600 has been an amount that has allowed that, you know, you're not having people who are like, great, I got $600 a week, I'm gonna go out and party. But I'm, you know, gonna safely be able to stay at home. Is that an amount that has enabled that sort of security? Or should it be a different amount? So what I would say is that it seems to be true anecdotally. But one thing that I heard from a lot of people reporting the story was that they felt like they were getting really mixed messages from the government about how to handle their unemployment. So Republicans have, and this comes from the top, from the White House, have said that the economy needs to res- like restart and people need to get back to work. But a lot of governors um, or mayors have said, no, 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 you need to stay home. We still have this uncontained outbreak. We want you to be safe, stay at home. I think that's been really confusing for people. And I know that there are people who are studying the public health dimensions of the economic response here, because I think it's intuitive. And I think in time, we'll know it's true, whether the $600 let people stay at home in a way that helped suppress the virus. Um, But we've not had, and this is something that I've talked about with you guys, and I know you guys have talked about, we haven't had coherent national federal messaging over what people should do and why. 
you know, if we had had a nationwide mask mandate and shelter in place mandate and, and had Congress said at the outset, you know, we're going to make sure that you're economically okay, but we need you to stay home. But that wasn't the messaging. And I, I think that that's been really distressing for families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sort of clarity is so important. In you know, when you're talking about just what people should do to avoid the virus and how to stay well generally. Yeah. And I understand there's probably not going to be a. Sorry, you can hear my dog barking. That's Mose. He's, <laughs> Hi, uh, Moses. He's been receiving 600 pounds of puppy chow a day. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, that sort of clarity you're going to have this amount for a given period the next several months and you can know that for sure you're going to be taken care of is very different from you know having it extended for here's another month or here's another two weeks um when people are talking about these plans going forward are they talking about anything longer term or are we just going to keep doing patchwork extensions yeah we're just going to keep doing patchwork extensions there are currently and have been for a long time proposals that would just take this out of Congress's hands entirely. So what it would do is it would tie extra payments that come from the federal government during recessions and tie them to the unemployment rate. So for as long as the unemployment rate is elevated in your area, most of them are done by state, but you could do it, you know, in lots of different ways that they would just come automatically. And there's an economist named Claudia Som who um, has developed, I think, one of even the best proposals for this. And it would also have a trigger. So as soon as the unemployment rate starts going up, even if it's not totally clear we're in a recession yet, uh, the unemployment insurance system would just expand. These additional payments would come. And then uh, they could taper down in a kind of slow, clear manner as the unemployment rate dropped. So that's like a completely sensible Um, thing to do. Um, There's also really great proposals to fix the administration of unemployment insurance, including, as I mentioned before, proposals to just federalize it so that the states don't have to do this. It's just like a federal, the Department of Labor could administer it. I think that's a great idea. Nobody's really talking about it. Republicans, for all sorts of reasons, would be really opposed to it. But we don't provide people with certainty. And one thing I found when I was reporting this piece was people were hoarding the money because they were so unsure of whether it was going to go away entirely. Yeah. Like they were like, you know, I have to save it because if we lose the $600, I can't get evicted. Right. Or like I need to keep on paying for food for my kid. And we're really talking about because the job losses have been concentrated among low wage Americans, we're talking about just like the basics of can I afford to stay in my place and put gas in my car and eat? This is preventing people from slipping into material poverty, real deprivation. Because, you know, during the last recession, at least initially, a lot of the employment losses were concentrated in like high wage professions and a lot of the income losses were high wage. This is really a low wage issue. And these people have no, no personal safety net. They have no savings. A lot of them are really paying through the nose for things like healthcare and and rent. And so this is bad, 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 bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what, I mean, this is my worry. I mean, everyone's worry. What happens next week when these people are not able 
to make rent or don't want to, you know, go go to the doctor to check on something because they're not sure how much it's going to cost or they need to actually start working but they don't have childcare, so they have to figure out where their child can go and their child can't stay at home and be safe and schools aren't reopening. Like, it feels like there's sort of a, there's going to be a compounding effect to this, but what is it going to look like? It's going to be bad. And we don't know how bad because we don't know how much they'll replace and how fast that will happen. But I think you will see an effect on consumption of the basics really quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. buying gas, buying groceries, paying the electric bill. A lot of places still have ordinances preventing evictions, but those are expiring. And in some cases, they're not enforceable. A lot of places have pushed utility companies not to do shutoffs during this period. But again, that's not everywhere. And in some cases, those aren't enforceable. So I think you're going to see a lot of stories. And I fear I'm going to report a lot of stories of people who end up in the pandemic doubling up with their cousins or people who end up having to find some pretty substandard childcare for their kid because they have to go back to work. Or people who just slide into destitution. Those are the stakes here. Like that is inevitably what is going to happen. And it is up to Congress, the scale of how much of that happens. Um, Because in some ways, Congress really buffered the country from a lot of the worst effects of the recession. But we're really going to feel it like a recession if this goes away and Congress doesn't send out additional economic impact payments or do more to rescue businesses. Um, the economy could feel worse in the fall than it did in the spring. I think that's actually maybe likely. Mm. Right. What from an economic, you know, I know what Jim thinks from a health perspective, just like, you know, pay people what they need to be able to take care of themselves and to stay at home until we can get this dealt with. Um, From an economic perspective, what is the right amount to give people? I'd say that the $600 amount, the downside insofar as there's any downside is that it's probably having some pretty minor effects in terms of um, people who would otherwise go back to work and choosing not to go back to work. So like that's, that's real, but it's probably not a big deal right now. Other than that, it's just a cost and it costs a lot. And this is not the time to worry about that cost, right? Because like, if we don't spend this money now, you know, to help people through a pandemic, what what good is government spending at all, right? This is really important. And it's supporting the entire economy, not just these families. So I don't see any reason to cut the benefit amount. I really don't. And, you know, to a point that you made, which I think is a really important one, We can't stimulate the economy. We can't get the economy going without the virus being under control and people feeling safe and secure and like able to go out and spend money. Ah, sure. It doesn't work. Right. So we're in some sense actually wasting money by not getting the virus under control because it means that we need way more of these payments that are kind of just like. How, how to put it, they're sort of just keeping people afloat. They're, they're not even actually acting like stimulus. They're just sort of replacing, you know, spending that was gone, but they're not, they're not giving the economy a real jolt right. because places aren't open and people understandably are afraid to go out. That's the grave error that by not getting the virus under control, by not 
you know, just flushing billions of dollars for contact tracing, for testing, by not having a nationwide mask ordinance and having everybody take that really seriously, you're kind of wasting the money that you're spending on the $600 a month because, you know, people can't get back to work and back to spending like normal either. And I think that that's sort of an underappreciated point of it. And it is just as an aside, um, uh, both my husband and I got tested a week ago on Monday because we had had some possible contact with an asymptomatic person who had a positive test. So you're going to get your test results in August? Yeah, we still don't have test results, which I, uh, I mean, it's so crazy. And, yeah. and at this point, you know, in the last 10 days, we could have contracted it or, you know, we've been trying to be really careful not to see people, which we hadn't been doing anyway, but it's such a yeah. mess. <laughs> it, it, it really, it objectively lowers the value of, of the test to near nothing. It's yeah. like, um, if you went to the hospital with chest pain and they're like, oh, you might be having a heart attack, um, but you seem fine, we'll tell you in a week if you had a heart attack. You know, it's better than not knowing that you had one, but you probably should have known right away. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's like, a, it'll be interesting and not actionable at all. <laughs> Uh, uh -huh. when we get results. <laughs> right, right. Um, this is a massive problem. So it's not really going to allow us to to reopen in that way. Okay. I think I've asked all my questions. Thank you for the, the insight as always. And uh, hope we don't go off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you guys uh, soon. Thanks, Annie. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Cool. Bye. Well, we will watch what Congress does this week. I hope they make the cliff less cliffy. Seems like <laughs> seems like a, a building of maybe a bridge mm. would be good. Maybe if we just run fast enough, mm -hmm. we'll sort of magically sail over it like Evil Knievel, you know? Oh, well, that wasn't magic. That was physics. I was thinking you were going to do like a Wile E. Coyote. Yeah, well, Wile E. Coyote at the end falls, you know? But Evil Knievel mm -hmm. always makes it over to the other side. Yeah, Wiley Coyote does fall. And then, to add insult to injury, often an anvil falls on top of him after he's fallen off the cliff. That was a good metaphor, right? It was good, helpful, helpful metaphor. I'll be keeping an eye on this. I'm glad I learned about the cliff. Thank you. I mean, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was so dramatic. Yeah, very, it's, yeah, it's bad. This show was produced today by Kevin Townsend. Write us at socialdistanceattheatlantic.com or call us at 202-642-6487. Subscribe to The Atlantic at theatlantic.com slash support us, and we will talk to you Friday. Bye. Bye, Jim. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's beyond zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our beyond zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.